course. We are dead. We are all dead. We were supposed to make the world a better place. What happened? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I know kung fu. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. This whole thing is insane. This whole thing is insane. 300 years ago, you'd have been burned at the stake. What do all men with power want? More power. This is now the United States of Zombieland. This whole thing is insane. Man is evil, capable of nothing but destruction. Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? You're such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy heresies and welcome to the desert of the real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it is. It just is. Especially with, you know it, the latest AB Live. Audio version for thee in this eternal now in Red Pill Cafeteria. It's always an honor when Lon Milo Duquette visits the virtual Alexandria. He will discuss his new book, An Accidental Christ. This quote-unquote novel, presents a thought-provoking exploration of who Jesus really was. A king of the Jews, son of God, or a man caught up in Roman Palestine, and how the Jesus myth may have become distorted. It uses biblical quotes and facts to explore this concept and incorporate humor, tragedy, and thrills. Biglinosis don't forget that online tickets for Astronosis 2 are available. The event is less than three weeks away. Find out more in the show notes and get thee to understand the Demiurge and his Archons like never before. Another AB Live next week with two very special guests, Mitch Horowitz and Richard Smoley. And then a very powerful traditional podcast with a very powerful intro by yours truly. Other than that, let us to our latest AB Live. Write your own gospel, live your own myth. Get out of there! Get out of the way! This is not your business! Do you want to get hurt? You hear what he said, idiot? Move! Which one of you people has never sinned? Listen to me. It's me the prophets preached about. Make a miracle for us. The Messiah doesn't need miracles. He is the miracle. Now he's here. Are you ready for me? You made better crosses than speeches. (laughs) What are you laughing at? Everything you have is going to burn. And he put his hands on me, and I opened my eyes, and I was baptized and became Paul. It's about Jesus of Nazareth. He was not the son of Mary, he was the son of God. His mother was a virgin, and the angel Gabriel came down and put God's seed in her womb. That's how he was born. And he was punished for our sins. 
Did you ever see this Jesus of Nazareth after he came back from the dead? I mean with your own eyes. No, but I saw a light that blinded me, and I heard his voice. You're a liar. I don't care whether you're Jesus or not. The resurrected Jesus will save the world, and that's what matters. Those are lies. You can't save the world by lying. I created the truth out of what people needed and what they believed. If I have to crucify you to save the world, then I'll crucify you. And if I have to resurrect you, then I'll do that too, whether you like it or not. I won't let you. I'll tell everyone the truth. You started all this, now you can't stop it. How can you presume? How can I presume? Because I'm the end of the old law and the beginning of the new one. Watch what you're saying. When I say I, Rabbi, I'm saying God. That's blasphemy. Didn't they tell you? I'm the saint of blasphemy. Don't make any mistakes. I didn't come here to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Talking like that will get you killed. Welcome, everybody, to AM Byte, to AB Live. For those of you watching on video, yes, that is a promo for the Astronosis Conference later this month, uh, June 23rd and 24th. Tickets are still available and online tickets are now available. And in fact, one of the sponsors of uh, the Astronosis Conference is a force behind the book that we will be talking about today. And I will mention them later, but that is the publisher, Lou Ellen. And what we'll be talking about is an excellent book that I've read twice, once a long time ago, and recently, and I enjoyed it probably even more this time, and that is An Accidental Christ by our guest, Lon Milo Duquette, The Story of Jesus. Lon, thank you very much for once again coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me on. Oh, always a pleasure. We've been doing this for a long time, and we still have things to say and create, so bless us, bless us. <laughs> and with us, too, we've got also the amazing Archon Killer, the Moondog Vance. Fresh out of another Archon hunt, right? <laughs> there you go. There you yeah. go. And yes, and you'll be... You'll be shepherding some of the archons today as you deal with the Chitiko. We might as ah, well yes. call it that. <laughs> yes. So people are in the chat as always. Uh, keep it cool. If you have any questions for Lon on his ideas and his work, uh, super chat them so we can figure out where they are because it gets pretty, uh, pretty busy out there in the chat. Other than that, not much else housekeeping. Again, I'll mention a few things later on. And I hope everybody is doing well on this Freya day. And uh, yeah, and hope everybody has a good weekend as we are in the season of Persephone. So Lon, why don't we start at the beginning? We, we did an interview on Accidental Christ many moons ago. Seems like a different era. Uh, it was a time when Scientology was still powerful and we were bogged down in Iraq and it was before the housing crash. I don't know if it was better times or worse times, but it was different times. And you came on the show and it was actually a split show. We talked about half an hour on Accidental Christ and then you you honored us with doing half an hour on Tarot. And we it was a great interview as all our interviews but I do remember after all these years, you telling me 
how this book came about, The Accidental Christ, you were like, you were in the shower. Tell the audience more about this. That's what I remember. Gnosis in a shower. Porcelain gods. Porcelain <laughs> <Maybe>. gods. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, you know, it's like a baptism. Showers are like, uh, uh, it's like step, stepping into the mikvah. Uh, <laughs> or the Mandean daily ritual of the right. Jordan. <laughs> but it is like a telephone booth to God. Uh, it's uh, or it uh, it puts you in another state of mind where your brain is talking to parts of your brain that uh, that uh, don't always communicate because everything is on automatic pilot. You know that you squirt so much soap on the on the thing and, and you're just on automatic pilot and you're you, you have memories and and uh, uh think about things that you you never usually uh, think about and i don't know why i was thinking about uh, uh the part of the new testament uh, or the gospel uh narrative which I've I've ever I've never gone for the historicity of of the New Testament. Okay, uh, I went to Sunday school. I was uh, sort of traumatized by by uh, Sunday school, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was I was active in the church because it. Uh, uh, I like this this spiritualness of of the church but i thought that the the narrative of what the religion was uh was absolutely crazy i couldn't believe grown-ups believe believe this it's got to be there's got to be something else behind it you know that they're just not getting uh but um but for some reason i was thinking you know if you just kind of follow the the narrative, not what Paul wrote or not what later people wrote, but just sort of what the four gospels uh, tell t tell a story that more or less is consistent with each other, not not very, but sort of, and uh, nobody believed uh, that uh, the Jesus character was anything too too special until the one event that blew everybody's mind. And it actually says, after this event, then everybody believed on him. Then everybody uh, had faith that no matter what he was going to do uh, was somehow miraculous, just like just like the, the the scenes in the life of Brian, when when he does something that they think is miraculous, and then they're they're picking up his his sandal and say, "Oh, hey, this healing," <laughs> and uh, and we do we do know that that uh, uh, even in the like Pentecostal evangelical uh, cults of modern times. Um, the 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 self-healing power of, of people's own self-hypnosis beliefs, okay, 
it works a lot of the a lot of the time. You know, uh, it's just who you're who and what you're giving credit to is what makes it an exploitative uh, uh, exploitative event. It's sort of like a perverted bedside manner. Yeah, is 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 more more healing than uh, than medicine is. But anyway, we're talking about my shower. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> uh, the inspiration came from the book, and uh, what the book what, just sort of what, flowed what, out from you. Whatever. I was like shampooing my my hair, probably stimulating my crown chakra or something like that. <laughs> and it struck me. I know how the hell he did that. And any any guy could have could have done that and then got himself in that position uh, as a, as sort of an unwilling or if willing uh, 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 used for another reason and then then it, the, everything uh, uh, started to fall into place that. Uh, uh, the guy was uh, uh, he was the heretical, not heretical, hereditary <laughs> <laughs> heretical got him in trouble. He was the hereditary heir to the throne of David. okay, we've got we've got. Uh, the Gospels go to great lengths to say he's the son of Joseph, who is the son of Heli, who is the son of this and this and this. And all the way back to one of them goes all the way back to Adam. Mm -hmm. oh, and they go to great lengths. Okay. And in the last uh, 50 years, well, now 70 years, we're finding about the, uh, about the various cults uh, of first century uh, Palestine area there. And uh, and they uh, they're they're literal breeding programs, uh, uh, in the same way as uh, the monarchs of uh, Europe have sort of they intermarry and have hybrid, you know, children of the nobility. And the first two gospels, or, or two of them anyway, start off by proving that he was the literal. King of the Jews. Okay, his his mother was of the tribe of uh, uh, Benjamin, and she was highborn. His father was of the tribe of Judah; he was highborn. Uh, his cousin John uh, was nearly as as uh, pure blood as, as he was, and his father was the was the high priest Zechariah. These weren't poor. Carpenters. No. Okay. These were nobility. These were truly a potential problem to the politics of the day with uh, with uh, the the puppet regime of uh, Herod Antipas, uh, just a, a Roman a Roman puppet. And they're just like in the life of Brian. I guess the life of Brian yeah, was uh, very inspiring. 
but there was literally a plot to put him on the throne. It was a coup plot, okay, that was plotted probably for several generations until they until they uh, they got the grafting of the bloodlines of of uh, the original king Saul and the bloodline of David, and they sort of came together. Those vines came together in uh, uh, the blood of Mary, his mother, and uh, and Joseph. So the fact that when he was born, they they had to get out of town. They literally had to, they had to get out of the country. They had to spirit him away someplace. And the idea of of the uh, several of the esoteric cults, uh, most notably the the Essenes and the Therapeutae. Uh, were sort of part of the of the almost Saint Francis like uh, spiritual end of 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 Judaism. There was the the law end, sort of like right wing Judaism of the temple establishment, and then there was this. Let's talk spiritual talk, guys. Let's let's talk. <laughs> Let's talk love and and roominess, you know. And, um, so all of that was that was coming together. So after he uh, uh, did his miracle, it was clear to me that everything could have unfolded exactly the way we see it unfolding in the in the Gospels, except there was nothing particularly supernatural involved, and that that. Uh, 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 as we would later see after his disappearance, after his crucifixion and disappearance, then this character Paul takes over the the the, the movement and turns it 180 degrees around to become this self-loathing, uh, literally an an anti-version. Of of what the the spiritual uh, message at the end of this uh, failed coup was. Is yes, that and, is that confusing enough? <laughs> no, no. Well, you know, I have a question about it. How about the fact that uh, you know they say, oh, Joseph was descended from David, and he's you know therefore the heir to the throne. But he was supposed to be God was supposed to be his father, not Joseph, right? And the Virgin was supposed to be Virgin Mary. Uh, how do we get around that? We don't get around that. We totally ignore that nonsense. The, <laughs> the, uh, if, if you listen sort of from an esoteric ear, uh, what has been interpreted as him claiming that he's the son of God is him announcing in truth that Everybody listening to what he was saying is a son of God. Okay. And it's immediately picked up by morons that said, oh, no, he's talking about his own meat body. Okay. <laughs> no, that, that is, that is a, that it's a universal message of, of, of Kabbalah 1A 
lesson, okay? Tiphereth on the tree of life, direct, direct reflection of, of uh, Kether, number one, okay? Our whole job is to raise our uh, consciousness level to that of Tiphereth so that we can see that we are the sun, literally the sun of, of uh, the singularity. It's, no, it's not even deep Kabbalistic thought. It's literally Hebrew Kabbalah 1A. And, uh, but they weren't picking up on that. The people that wanted to, to uh, uh, the political people that wanted to get this guy out of the scene mm -hmm. said, no, he's bad news. Then the, the conservative uh, uh, temple establishment sees that, oh, God, this guy's bad news because we can't have people, uh, you know, we've got a monopoly on telling them about the, the, the spiritual technology. And uh, they wanted him out. Uh, I mean, it was a lose-lose situation. The coup was bound to fail because of, of Rome's influence, and everybody else wanted the guy out of this out of the scene. So, when I came out of the shower, it all made sense. So I said, "I'm going to write a, I'm going to write a short story about how he turned the water into wine." That's it going to read it at Monday night class. We're all <laughs> going to chuckle. Everybody's good. When, when I tell that particular story, everybody goes, oh, God, yes. <laughs> Why did, yeah, that's what happened. And um, so I started to write the short story. But in order to, to set the stage and have the backstory to the punchline of the wedding at Cana, I had to do just what I did with, with your question, Moondog, right now. I had, I had to set up that whole thing about the bloodlines and, mm -hmm. and the, 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 the cults and the politics and the realities of first century Palestine. And so by the time I... <laughs> set up just so I could tell this one lousy almost joke. <laughs> it was too long for a short story and too short for a novel. So I took the time, and we're talking years now, okay? This wasn't on my front burner ever. Right now is as most at this book has been on the front burner. <laughs> uh, I set up, well, how did he feed all the people with the loaves and fishes? What's the no. walk on the water situation? Um, uh, what what was the, the thing? How was he educated? What made him such a cool, holy man? You know, how did Gandhi become Gandhi? You had to, you had to, know more about Gandhi to, to understand what, what made him a holy man. Same thing with Rumi and same thing with St. Francis. Why did this guy, why did the light bulb suddenly go off over this guy's head? Right. And um, 
so finally, I got it to the to the point of where the book that you read, how many years ago? Twenty five years ago, or something like that. Uh, I think it's going on fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. Accidental, uh, and that was called Accidental Christ, and I self published it because I wanted it out there because, frankly, I had interest uh, in the movie business to adapt it as a as either a feature film or a, or a series. So I I was almost obligated to at least self-publish it so that they'd have a novel to uh, uh, adapt. But this one, okay. Oh, and of course, only, only a few uh, people bought it. Only a few people read it. It's a beautiful edition. It only came out in hardbound. Uh, and, uh, but it is uh, a skeleton of a of a story, kind of c compared to what I've done with the material in this book. This uh, this book has uh, 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 significant uh, other backstories. Got Pontius Pilate's wife involved, we uh, and uh, and other things that that would make the the circumstances surrounding the crucifixion and so-called resurrection uh, uh, it, at least causes us to think about those issues uh, too. So it is a different book. And if, and you read the first one, you read this one, especially the, the, the setup with the Clopasarian manuscripts and things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And things like I had so much fun with it. <laughs> and uh, anyway, it's it's the book that uh, that uh, you know I would have liked that that first one that came out in God when I think it's what date was this? Two thousand seven. Mm -hmm. The date of this one. So. And now you can still get it from private uh, sellers, but you can't get it, you know, under what, 200 bucks or something. And I don't get any of that. So <laughs> get the Llewellyn one. That's get the Llewellyn one, yes. <laughs> one buy yourself dinner. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It's a good read, and yeah, for the audience, uh, it's a page turner. Uh, also, we should mention the setup too. It's narrated by Kloppus, uh, the uncle of Jesus, I believe, and right. Mount Carmel. So, of course, you're thinking. And Josephus said that's where these scenes came from. So, you've already got the scene vibe and everything else. And what I like about it, Lon, is that it's. I always respect people who can write this historical content because it's so hard not to like do modernisms in it and yours i could I feel like these people were a different consciousness than me even though i could relate to the themes there's no like hey groovy or i guess uh monty python life of brian aliens coming in or some you know talking in modern parlance or thinking it does feel like these are first century people 
and I can feel the description of the land. And it's it's nice to lose yourself in this kind of uh, scenery. Did How did you do that? A lot of research or how does, especially for others who might want to think they want to write their own historical fiction, if you would. Well, uh, first you got to get, get yourself there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, I familiarized myself with uh, uh, the four Gospels, okay? And uh, not only from the, the King James point of view, because the Gospels were written many, 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 many years after, after the, the true events. And the King James is like uh, you got to put yourself back in the consciousness of of Shakespeare's era because that's when right. all of that happened. But I got a hold of a, of a marvelous translation uh, of the New Testament that was translated directly from Aramaic into English. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, it was uh, the it's called Lamsa. George Lamsa was the uh, Aramaic uh, uh, expert, and so so it wasn't translated uh, from uh, Aramaic uh, into Greek into uh, 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 German German into English. Uh, so you you sort of get the you know well what what did a first century uh, person what was it gave it a, a deeper, a deeper uh, plunge into the milieu of the <laughs> of the of the time, but it, it was a little weird because uh, a lot of this stuff comes while I'm, you know, taking a walk and uh, <laughs> in the shower. In the shower, yes. Yeah. Char walk. So, yes. Yeah, <laughs> when it rains, it's it's gold. Okay. Uh, but uh, it is sort of weird. Okay. And and all my life, all my life, uh, from as, as early as I can remember, I've been uh, uh, the first movie I ever saw. I think uh, my parents took me to see, believe it or not, Rebel Without a Cause. Oh, oh. Why? Why did? Yeah. But then after that, uh, I could uh, uh, go to the movies by myself, and I saw everything, and I loved the the spectacles. The biblical spectacles. Okay, I, I don't know. I was eleven or twelve when I saw um, Ten Commandments, and even though I was I was thinking, you know, in my spiritual mind, nah, nah. This I'm not looking at history here. I'm looking, I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at another kind of story, and but I really dig this history stuff. Okay, so I saw a lot of movies. I saw a lot of uh, uh, classically trained uh, English uh, actors portraying first century uh, people. So I have a, 
uh, a sort of natural uh, affinity to the to the rhythm of uh, first century talk, and I can uh, and those movies allowed me to kind of even feel the heat and and smell the dust and and uh, uh, know how they they would inter interact with uh, uh, with each other. And I don't want to sound too spooky about it, but I actually sort of had to go there because uh, I don't write novels. I write occult no. textbooks, you know. Um, but it's like once you create the characters and have the characters fleshed out in your in your mind and in your narrative, all you have to do is put the characters together in a room and they write the dialogue. Yeah. And when you can get to that place where the characters are being true to themselves, it doesn't matter if they're the hero doesn't matter if they're the villain. Doesn't matter if they're the comic relief. It doesn't matter if they're they're just a, a, a non-player character. <laughs> <laughs> they, the truth of their existence takes over and writes itself, and it's almost like the difficulty is how fast can you type what these what these characters are are uh, are saying to each other and doing how would they act so yeah it's a form of magic tapping into the imaginal of uh, henry corbin or tolkien talked about he wasn't making up stuff he was discovering the yeah. elves and all that and when we do magic it's the same that we're tapping into the same dimension whatever you want to call it akashic records higher mind yeah. Whatever you want to call it, it's a play, a wonderful place where a new reality that inspires the world and the message of the ancients comes through. Um, then, which past are we are dragging up, right? Of the multiple pasts we could have. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I guess we'd have to say, well, in this particular case, we're tuning in on the past that uh, is the the accepted past. Uh, for uh, uh, two thousand years worth of of uh, people's consciousnesses that were dominated by the yeah. by the Judeo Christian uh, uh, traditions and mythos, so we're tuning in on that one. And in a sense, that's what I'm doing. I'm ask. I'm not trying to offend anybody. If I if I set out to offend somebody, I could have done a much better job than this. Okay. <laughs> but the the I I suggest please get your get yourself an old white bread Bible of some kind, King James, you know, New Standard. I don't care. Read the Gospels. Okay, you can do it in like two bowel movements. Read the, <laughs> read the four Gospels. Then read this and tell me you can't imagine things unfolding 
just like this, given the, the fleshed out characters that uh, uh, I'm presenting in, the, in this book. And, and so I'm literally saying, yeah, let's go to that past, that, that uh, 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 time-space continuum that has locked in and literally enslaved generation after generation of generation of people's spiritual thought. Right. And see if you can't free yourself just for a moment from that that terrible momentum. So well, that's really I mean, well some, said. Look look at the thing where they had to take Jesus, you know, out of the country, right? Uh, they, they were killing the firstborn children. You know, that's according to the Gospels. So that's in black and white. So that, that proves what you're saying about, you know, that the Herod uh, regime was uh, out to stomp out the competition. Right. It says and, it right in there. And the fact that that uh, uh, this guy was, uh, uh, I, I use the term hybrid. Okay. Uh, it took a complicated uh, uh genealogical mix to to uh, uh, join the two families of the bloodline of Saul and the bloodline of David. And we don't even have to believe that David and Saul were historical characters. Right. The, they're, to the religion, they're real. Yeah, they believed okay. okay. To the religion, they're, they're real. And, and so... They are real in the minds of the uh, minds of the people. So the the idea that hey we've got three world class astrologers blowing in from Persia that said hey we we heard about we heard that you guys have finally finally uh, matched up the, and that's why they always use the the analogy of the vine the vineyard and the vine okay they're, they're talking they're talking a botany here as far as the bloodlines are concerned mary was a benjamite their that tribe of benjamite owned the entire area that jerusalem was built on they kind of were a cursed tribe long story but they still owned the real estate and then david okay, was the second king. He was the Davidian warrior king. If, if they could just get those two bloodlines back together, they would have, uh, uh, they could hoist up, they could, they could set up uh, a figurehead king that could capture the imagination of the people enough to overthrow the the Herodian puppets, okay? It was a it was a coup, a coup matched with mysticism, okay? But when we say, "Oh, he's king of the Jews," yeah, well, what is it that we're not hearing? <laughs> you know, and and so when these first class astrologers blow into town naively, they go to Herod. Say hey, we we heard you finally got yourself a 
hereditary king of the Jews. And Herod goes, what? Oh, gee. I, Time to go Tony Soprano on this. Why don't you go tell me where he is and I'll, I'll, I'll come worship him, all right, you know? And uh, so all of those little things now start to make sense uh, when, when put in the light of this. And I'm not claiming that I've combed the Akasic records. I'm not claiming I've got evidence. I'm not claiming I've got Jesus's head preserved in honey up here in my office. <laughs> Uh, or John the Baptist, at least. At least John, John the Baptist. Oh, yeah, but they're bookends. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, and, and it certainly does not take away it, anything from the from the, 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 the spiritual impact of the message of even even of the story and the and the, the spiritual uh, formula of, of uh, Christianity doesn't have to take away anything except uh, to, to make you feel more comfortable in not not having to believe what you know in your heart to be an absurd story. <laughs> no, it's a it's a good story. Well, now I want to mention our. Sponsors again, Astronosis is coming soon. Uh, we do have physical tickets, online tickets are now there for an amazing cast and experience. I'll have it on the show notes. But one of our sponsors is the publisher of Lon's book, and that's Llewellyn Worldwide. And I wanted to give him a little shout out. Let's see, present there you go. Yeah, there's a logo. <laughs> I got a little bit more than that. Hold on one second here as I pull it up. Window, there you go. All right, uh, here we are. I've got their website up, and yes, they publish Lon's book, and I'm so excited about that. Uh, as the world's oldest and largest independent publisher of books for body, mind, and spirit, Llewellyn is dedicated to bringing our readers the very best in metaphysical books and resources. Since 1901, Llewellyn has been at the forefront of holistic and metaphysical publishing and thought and they are a they are a sponsor of astronosis very uh very grateful for that and they have uh, been uh, we've had many great guests from Llewellyn including Lon today but also uh, John Michael Greer and his great book Ceremony of the Grail Joe Graham and her book uh, Seven Hellenistic Goddesses and more to come in the in the, at the end of this year the OG of Gnostic theology Tao Malachi will be releasing his book on Saint Thomas the the secrets of uh, Saint Thomas so very excited so they are the kind of publisher I just love because they believe in putting different variety out there and letting the reader choose whatever they need to for the betterment of their personal practice and spirituality. So great publisher, and we are grateful that they are a sponsor, and we're grateful that they're putting out these books. So um, that's that, that's our little uh, plug here. And uh, yeah, that's another kind of a side question, Lon. Uh, again, I love Llewellyn, who just puts out books of different varieties. But do you see times of change? Now, here's an example. 
uh hold on a second there's an example do i have um these days every time i put a show out on crowley alistair crowley i get it from two sides i get one side who angrily will send me emails and messages like ah he's misogynistic he's racist blah 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 then i get the other side ah now he's a baby killer and a satanist and I'm just like, this This was not the way 10 years ago when you, you and I were doing it. It's all of a sudden this fury and anger. And I'm like, I am. if I see a good book on Aleister Crowley, I am going to uh, I'm going to do a show. I mean, uh, Tobias Churton and I will do a show at the end of this year on his new book on Aleister Crowley. But it's this weirdness about, I don't know, how do you feel? Judgment about people in the past. It's, you know, I... Sorry, but Aleister Crowley is a giant, you know? I, I, somebody like, I admit, somebody as odious and as nasty as Julius Evola, sorry, he was a genius when it comes to magical practices. I'm not going to, these things are important. People can get offended about Jesus or whatever, but it's great that we put these ideas out, right? Oh, absolutely. And I, I think uh, the intensity of the vehemence that, uh, uh, you're uh, talking about uh, is sort of um, uh, uh, on the other end of it, uh, more people than ever, more people than ever in the academic community, in the, in the uh, world of ed uh, education, uh, uh, psychology, spiritualness uh, are, are giving Crowley his due. Okay. And are, are uh, admiring him, quoting him, uh, putting him uh, among the most admired Britons of all time, and uh, but the the intensity of the the vehemence on the other side, uh, I see more as a, less as uh, uh, an understanding and a problem with Crowley itself, but um, uh, a, a symptom. Uh, of the disease of the mind that we see uh, so many uh, uh, people readily uh, accepting now in the in the last few years of politicians tinkering with reality itself and the uh, the abuse of uh, of the media and the uh, 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 tendency for thousands of people to immediately uh, uh, except that uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. is going to appear in Dallas, Texas, writing on a Texas book uh, depository. <laughs> okay, and and these these are pretty normal people. Okay, and they're all of a sudden uh, 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 a trigger has been been pulled that. Uh, uh, has given him a first-class ticket on a crazy train. And, and so Crowley, for the last uh, 150 years, has been a wonderful target for that because <laughs> Crowley always acted as if, if you're stupid enough to misunderstand what I'm really saying, then you're stupid enough to go ahead and continue to believe that. You know, I got other stuff to do here. <laughs> and sure, he was a wild and crazy guy, but compared to the the uh, uh, liberated and and kinky uh, 
acceptance of of uh, human behavior that we're seeing from some uh, very normal and wonderful people today, Crowley wouldn't have even seemed like a weirdo. Okay, that's true. Yeah, and in his time, sure he was misogynistic with a part of him that was still had one foot in the 16th century, okay? Sure, he was misogynistic, but he was also, there was another part of him that got itself liberated enough for him to to say, shit, yes, I think only women should vote, you know? And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and he never s- turned anybody else's car on you know, over and set it on fire. No, he didn't. He, <laughs> he didn't do that. Uh, and uh, but it, tr- truly, when you kind of wrap your brains around his his uh, uh, playfulness, it really was right down to it. it. Oh, look! If you're stupid enough to accept that. If you're stupid enough to project that absurdity on my life, you know, I kind of enjoy that. If you're stupid enough to do that, continue to be stupid enough to continue to to believe that. And in the back of his mind, he was always saying, any publicity is good publicity. My works are going to be continued for the next 200 years. They're going to be published by my enemies and my friends. No, well said. Yeah. So. And I think a lot of it is what I call presentism, where people think that if I, if we were magically transported back to that era, you know, and we the culture consciousness or whatever, we would stand up and say, hey, Crowley, stop saying these things, or hey, this, you know. And that's not true. If we went back in time, we would be constrained under the filter of that time. So we can't judge people. People were complex. Crowley had some very progressive ideas and some very backward. But he was just a person of his time that was dealing with things. Same with Jesus or Pontius Pilate. It's just, uh, I think it's ridiculous. People just want to be holier than thou and think we can project our normal morals. And I keep telling if that's the way, in a hundred years, we're going to be judged harshly because we have a lot of blind spots today that in a hundred years, they're going to be like, look at these idiots. They believed in this and that. <laughs> and it's like, we're, Miguel Vance and Lon are just doing the best we can. I mean, we probably are saying some insensitive things. We are probably killing the planet in ways we just don't know about, or we just, you know, we're doing the best we can. So it's, and it's interesting about the John F. Kennedy. I mean, People have Elvis sightings still. I'm writing a bio on Elvis. If you go to the Graceland website, there's a whole page where people can write their Elvis sighting. They're still going on there before. Bigfoot, Jesus on a toast, UFOs. I mean, it's maybe it is the normal state of people, of us humans, to see what we want to see. Hope there's uh, some savior or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, well, what's the point of judging when you can't, Hand out a sentence, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's only 24 hours in my day, and I can only, <laughs> I can only spend can only so, judge others. <laughs> I, can only, 
<laughs> I can only be judgmental for just short spurts. Okay. And then and then it's a guilty pleasure. So I like also in your book, you have uh, Brother Apollonius. Uh, for, he was my favorite character because I'm thinking of another savior, ancient savior of the motif. So, Tiana. Yeah, yeah. So you do, it's, it's a lot of fun. You can tell you're having fun and you're bringing in ideas or tapping into those ideas. So good so, job, Lon. Well, thank you. And I, I, hope, I hope everybody gets one uh they're they're in the mail now okay people that pre-ordered are getting them uh uh just in the last couple of days officially it's out uh next thursday but uh everyone who pre-ordered should have theirs probably by next uh uh next thursday uh again it is um if you're so old like like us and you have the the first one if you bought the first one last century or whenever that was, <laughs> uh, this is significantly, significantly uh, uh, better. It's the, it's the, it's the right one. And uh, please uh, buy a six pack of them. You know, ha friends may stop by. You don't want to be caught short. So. And what do you want the reader to get out of it? What would be some of your hopes or goals for somebody to read the book? I would, I would be satisfied if everyone who read the book was just a little bit freer to accept uh, a, a greater reality behind a very familiar tale. At the very least, I want them to feel just a little bit liberated. Uh, I wrote a book a few years back called uh, The Key to Solomon's Key. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the book, uh, which was a sort of a commentary on the lesser key of Solomon, the Goetic magic, you know, spirits and triangles and all of that. Uh, but in order to uh, set the stage for that that small handbook of, of practical uh, Goetic magic, uh, I took a great deal of time talking about the Solomon of Solomonic magic. Mm -hmm. And that the, the formula that allows a normal human being in their living room temple to have the, the, the ability to conjure a spirit into a triangle and have it go run off and do some, a chore, some heavy lifting somewhere. Mm -hmm. And the idea was uh, you can do it if you're a Solomon. And the idea of, well, what does it take to be a Solomon? You have to be a free individual, ready to receive directly the influence of the singularity of existence, or God, if you will. 
You have to have an electricity running through your body that you get from sticking your finger into the light socket of the above. Then, when you're a Solomon, then you can do, do uh, uh, magic. You have the power to be a magician. You know what is and is not in your own best interest. So you're not going to abuse your power. Okay. I would hope that anybody that reads this, when they're through with it, I hope they laugh. I hope they chuckle. I hope they get all the in-jokes, okay? <laughs> but what I really hope is that they come away a little bit more a Solomon. A magician. No, that's really well said. One of your my favorite quotes from you is... Uh... And I still use it, and it's so hermetic. It's almost better than Hermes Trismegistos is. Uh, it's all in your head. You just don't realize how big your head is. That, that That's kept me going for years. It's I mean, it, that hits hermeticism and Gnosticism perfectly. I got that in the shower. Ah. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, you know, you can, I hope the audience, you guys in the Chatico, you guys go, I'll take a shower today. Uh, not in the Midwest. We have a drought, but yeah. Or as Vance, his inspiration is on the porcelain uh, throne. That's where he gets. Right. So Shower included. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the bathroom seems to be the, the temple of Solomon. Maybe that's right. the original first temple. That, it was his bathroom. Oh, we, we mistranslated it. Oh, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to use that. That's beautiful. So much inspiration. Well, as as we're getting to the end, as we all have things to do on this Friday, Vance, do you have any last question? Uh, yeah, I saw a super chat by Chester. Thank you always for your support. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate those of you who can support this uh, Red Pill Cafeteria. I can't do it without you. But Vance, any last comment or question for Lon as we well, wrap um, it up? Yeah, here's a little one for me. Uh, we got the... Uh, uh, the wedding at Canaan and all that. Um, did you hear about, the, and maybe it's even in your book about the trick, the trick jars where you put your finger over the jar and it keeps the wine from getting in the water. So you can prove it's water. And then when you pour it again, when your fingers off, off the little hole, then the wine goes in and it, uh, then it pours out wine, a wedding trick. Whoa. Did we wow. hear that at one of our shows? Oh, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. There's many. Yeah. At book signings, I'll do, <laughs> I'll do it myself. <laughs> I'm sure it's around somewhere. I'm, I'm sure you can buy it, you know, from the magic shop somewhere. <laughs> That'll really add to my credibility. <laughs> <laughs> Proof well, positive. You, you can do it right but here. you do you do magic already. I mean, stage yeah. magic, Lon. So yeah. it be part well, of your repertoire. Don't drink anymore, so. <laughs> not recommended for aa meetings so yeah <laughs> no no and uh we did have a question from the reverend uh jonathan barlow uh g many moons ago i'm not sure if he's still here yeah. uh, he had a couple of ones but i'll i'll pick the one well we we already talked about this before the show but um jesus was he an enochian magician <laughs> If he was, I don't know, uh, have any clue of, uh, uh, you know, how he could have, uh, how he could be identified as such. But uh, 
I'm sure there's uh, there's a lot of his life that I don't know about. And uh, Enoch, of course, uh, was a big character in uh, uh, Judaism. Oh yeah, and uh, and Islam and Christianity, but uh, the Enochian magic per se uh, was probably not among the the subjects taught at Essene academies. Maybe Egyptian magic, though. Maybe he was an Egyptian magician. There, uh, that is highly likely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the you Muslims know. always associated Enoch with Hermes, so there always was something there going on. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah, Enoch. Uh, even there's a if you look hard enough, you can find a, a Hiramic uh, connection. Uh, Enoch would be big in masonry too. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Jesus may have told some Enoch knock jokes though. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Love it. <laughs> we should go out on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes, we are at the end. As you can see in the scrolling, please go to lawnduquette.com and Llewellyn Worldwide Publishing if you want to get the book. Uh, any other places you want to send people to to uh, find out more oh, about you? My Facebook page. Okay. Uh, I know. That's my daily blog. You know, I do a half hour show every every right. day, seven days a week, uh, on on Facebook, and you don't have to be a Facebook friend to tune in on on that. And about five times a day, I put what I'm up to or uh, information and links to to books and workshops that I do uh, all the time. So. Visit me on Facebook, even if you don't like Facebook. Just all right, yeah. And you do sometimes answer questions, right, from the audience. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, awesome. Well, for the audience, thanks for being here in the Chitico. Thanks for listening. The audio version, of course, will be out in a day or so, so we'll get it out to the crowds. Please get an accidental Christ, uh, recommend it. Please support the show, support Lon, support all of us alternative people, as Lon says, that are trying to make us a little bit more free so we can all tap into our inner Solomon. And Vance, thanks for keeping us company. Oh, my uh, my pleasure. My and pleasure. Lon, yeah. Pleasure. Great to hang and, out with Lon, always great. Yeah. yeah, Lon, as always, thank you for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Well, everybody, have a good weekend. And as I always say, uh, write your own gospel, live your own myth. Take care, everybody. And there you have it, you shining crazy diamonds. Lon is just so cool, and so is his own personal Jesus. As a bonus for subs, I'm including our last interview on his book, An Insider's Guide to the Occult. Ready yourself for long talking more general occultism. That includes the ideas of Aleister Crowley, Israel Rigardi, and other masters. Don't miss it. For all non-subs, please become a supporter if you find value in this content and for the bonus. 
Your support is the only thing that keeps Aeon by going. I can't do it without you. Alas, the pendulum has swung, and even as the show really grew in May and continues to grow in June, support has collapsed once again. The Archons laugh and I'm confounded. Eh, the important thing at the end of the day is that you get the call to join the rescue operation of Sophia. For non-subs, thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. For all subs across many channels, let's have more Lon Milo Duquette with our bonus. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.